You know, it's not often that you get to start a sports podcast with some Tolstoy, but I do find myself compelled today. Because the first line of Anna Karenina, Leo Tolstoy's seminal novel, it reads as follows. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And the first thing I need you to understand here about U.S. soccer, as it gets very publicly torn apart now from the inside, is that it really was a family. There was a a breaking story yesterday that had all sorts of drama attached in U.S. soccer. There is a family beef between the Burhalters and the Reynas. The Burhalters and the Reynas are soccer families that have known each other for decades. There were comments leaked from off-the-record leadership conference that Greg Burhalter almost sent this unnamed player home Who is for the World Cup over disruptive behavior. Quickly, people put two and two together, and of course, Equo Gio Reyna, who responded the next day saying that he was the player in question. ESPN reporting that Claudio Reyna, father of Gio, sent messages to U.S. soccer executives threatening to reveal Berhalter's past due to his son's limited playing time. And if all of that wasn't enough, an older, disturbingly personal feud also got exposed. U.S. soccer is investigating men's national team head coach Greg Berhalter over a 1991 domestic violence altercation between him and his wife, Rosalind. Danielle Rayner, Gio Rayner's mom, confirmed she shared information about domestic violence incident with U.S. soccer's Ernie Stewart. In a nutshell, it tells you where U.S. soccer is. The fact that we are talking about this, the fact that the Berhalters have to relive this in front of the public based on what reasoning? Because he didn't play his best friend's son? So today, we talked to Kyle Bonagura, who has been reporting on all of this, all of the drama between U.S. men's national coach Greg Berhalter and former U.S. captain Claudio Reyna and Reyna's superstar son, Gio for nearly two months now. And we learn how the story of two seemingly inseparable American families became as complicated and as unhappy as Russian literature. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, January 10th. And this is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. 
Kyle Bonagura, you have been covering a story that I imagine like a lot of people in your life who maybe don't follow soccer quite as closely as you'd like them to are kind of all in in the way that people in my life have been on this story. What do you even compare this to? I mean, Shakespeare? Is there anything? I don't, <laughs> nothing really comes to mind right. right away that is happened in professional sports. I think this is a story that comes around once every generation and, and, and maybe not even that often. But it's so bizarre, so unique that I think that's why everyone's been captivated by it. Yeah, it's Shakespeare. It's Game of Thrones. There's some like Star Wars in here that I detect too. But the point is, we have these two enormous figures on the American soccer landscape. The U.S. men's national coach, Greg Berhalter, now out of contract. And then this Hall of Famer, the former captain of the team, Claudio Reda, and his superstar son. And the backstory of this saga, and it is truly a saga here. I understand, thanks to your reporting, that these families go way back. How close were they? How far back does this relationship go? It goes about as far back as possible. I would probably bet that Claudio Reyna and Greg Berhalter don't remember the first time they met each other. Because mm. they grew up together. They played youth soccer together. Claudio's father was the coach of their youth soccer team. They played high school soccer together at St. Benedict's Prep in New Jersey at the time was uh, the most dominant high school soccer program in the country. They both played college soccer in the ACC. You know, for Claudio Reyna, that was at Virginia where he played for famed U.S. coach Bruce Arena. They won three national titles together. And Greg Berhalter was at North Carolina. And then they embark on these European soccer journeys together. Wallace has been roaming from left to right. There's a header. Oh, what a goal. Reyna popping up out of the blue. The second goal in the game. Both received their first U.S. national team cap in 1994. They both received their final national team cap in 2006. I mean, this is a relationship that spans decades and generations. Well, who's the first one to, to react to the mistakes or the, the free ball? And it's Bearholder. And it's not just the men in question here who have this deep history too, right? I mean, the women in question, the wives of these men, what's their backstory? Danielle Reyna and Rosalind Berhalter, they were both soccer players growing up as well, were four-year teammates at the University of North Carolina. They were roommates. They were best friends. Rosalind, her maiden name is Santana. When Rosalind Santana married Greg Berhalter, Claudia Reyna was the best man in the wedding. This is a relationship that is as intertwined professionally, personally, as you can really imagine, not, not just even limiting to professional sports, right? These families, um, you know, at least on paper, right, are, are as close as you could possibly be. Man, yeah, I'm thinking about just the wedding photos that are now, like, pieces of evidence in this story, Kyle. And it extends to the fact that Claudio Reyna and Danielle Reyna, they get married. They eventually have a son named Gio. And by the time Greg Berhalter takes over as the head coach of the U.S. men's national team, I'm skipping ahead in time a bit here, meaning he gets to start coaching Gio Reyna personally. What were these two families, what were all these friends saying about each other in public? Anytime... U.S. soccer needed a glowing comment about the other. They went to one of them, right? When Berhalter was hired, they run one of those documents where it collects quotes from famous people around the sport. The first person 
that U.S. soccer went to was Claudio Reyna, and he gave glowing praise to Greg Berhalter. What a good coach he would be. Here are all the reasons why, right? And then when Greg Berhalter has referred to the relationship, Geo specifically, you know, in a show with Gavin Jules last year, a couple of our European-based soccer reporters, yeah. you know, he talked about watching Geo play basketball as a kid and, and, and soccer as a kid. He's, he's a great kid. He, he's a competitive kid. He, he's a player that you knew early on seeing him, you know, at 12, 13, 14, that he was going to make it in something. He was really? so driven. You could tell really at that age? Definitely. I mean, whether it was basketball or so, I mean, he was driven and his skill set was just, you know, was amazing. He's said it's like family. You know, our families are really close, really good friends. And, um, you know, and Gio, there's, there's moments where I look at him and it's, and, you know, like putting him on the field or something or when he's on the field and it, it's, it's, it's so familiar, right? <laughs> like you're looking at something that's so familiar to you and that's such a great feeling. You know, it's almost like you're, you're, you're putting a family member in the game. By the time Gio made his way through the national team system and debuted for the U.S., I mean, it, it was a long time coming, and I think something that Greg Berhalter was really looking forward to. Gio Reyna, how good is he? How would you describe his development, Kyle, as a player? So I remember when Gio Reyna was coming up through the youth national teams, and you heard people talking about the possibility of him being one of the best American players ever. And you kind of have to take a step back there and say, okay, maybe it's the name, right? We've seen this before, maybe not necessarily to this extent in soccer, but in other sports where you have a well-known name of a former professional legend coming up and it you know, impacts expectations. But for Gio, it, it turns out they ended up being completely justified. When he was 16 years old, he signs with Borussia Dortmund, one of the bigger clubs in Europe, and, and it doesn't take him a while to break through. Six months after he signs with Dortmund, he makes his debut for their first team, becoming the youngest ever goal scorer in the German Cup. Reiner tries his luck. Oh, good dribbling. Beautiful goal! Oh my goodness, what a beautiful goal from Gio Reiner! That is a corker! Not just American goal scorer, no German has ever scored at a younger age than Gio Reyna in that tournament. Mm. A few weeks later, he appears in the UEFA Champions League, the youngest American to ever do so, in a game against Paris Saint-Germain with you know players like Neymar and Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe on the field. Gio Reyna comes on and assists the game-winning goal to Haaland. They're saying, okay, you can play, Mbappe, Neymar, but take a look at me. You have this sort of breakthrough, this sort of meteoric rise. It completely justified all the hype that has surrounded Gio at the time. And for American fans, when you see a player like that break out at that level, immediately you start thinking about, you know, their role with the national team. His debut did get delayed because of the pandemic. And when it came, here's Greg Berhalter, a man who has known Gio his entire life, mm. uh, you know, has known his dad his entire life. Uh, he's the man who gets to, to start Gio Reyna for the first time ever for the United States men's national team, making him one of the youngest ever players uh, to make their initial debut. Reyna, yes! Finds the bottom corner. Giovanni Reyna, just after his 18th birthday, has scored his first goal for the United States in just his second appearance. 
after he made that initial debut, Reyna was a locked-on starter for Berhalter, scored four goals in his first eight games, certainly appeared to be on his way to having a major role at the World Cup. But when the United States started qualifying, Gio Reyna was a starter in the very first game, and he picked up an injury against El Salvador down in Central America. That injury actually was a, was a big issue for him and, and stayed with him for most of the next year. As a result, he was limited in how he could contribute for the, for the national team, for Dortmund, and just get on the field at all. But by the time the World Cup rolled around, Reyna had been healthy. He had been playing regularly for Dortmund again for the, the month leading up to the tournament. And with that being the case, I think everyone kind of expected him to resume his role. And and you were there, Kyle, in Qatar at the World Cup to watch him do just that. But right before the U.S.'s opening match against Wales, what happens? The first lineup was released, and Gio Reyna's not on it. And it's Tim Weah starting on the right wing. That would have been the, the spot that Gio Reyna would have theoretically started in. It ends up not being a big deal in that match from a Weah standpoint, because Weah does score the U.S. goal, a great goal, puts the U.S. up 1-0. But late in that match, after Wales had equalized the game, Weah tired down, and you're looking, okay, here's now here's where you see Reyna. You know, here's where he comes on and gives you a chance to get that that late winner. Instead, that doesn't happen. Berhalter goes with Jordan Morris, who's a you know fine player in his own. He's a good MLS player, a great MLS player. Sure. But he's not Gio Reyna. He's not that type of talent. And so that's when you know, U.S. soccer fans collectively lost their minds because it didn't really make any sense from a, from a soccer standpoint. I was at that game, and in the locker room after the game, the, the big question was, why didn't Gio play? And so I actually had the chance to ask Gio, you know, why didn't you play? Like, what was the message from Coach Berhalter about your role? Are you healthy? Is everything okay? Because it just didn't make sense, right? And he told me, and, and my colleague Jeff Carlisle was standing right there as well, that he's 100% healthy. Mm. And that Berhalter didn't have to tell him why he was going to or not going to play. Berhalter didn't frame it that way. He said they were trying to build Gio back up after a, kind of an injury concern in a training session. So that was the first time where we realized these guys aren't aligned on their messaging, and we started really wondering what's going on. Well, and the questions just keep on coming because Gio Reyna, yes, plays zero minutes against Wales. Against England the next match, he plays only seven minutes, Kyle. He gets no time at all against Iran after that. In that hugely dramatic game, to make the knockout rounds, the U.S. wins. But in that knockout stage against the Netherlands, he finally gets in and plays the entire second half. But of course, the U.S. gets eliminated in that game from the World Cup. And now we get to this point where the World Cup is over, and Greg Berhalter, he's speaking at a summit on moral leadership. So much of the story is extremely on the nose, I have noticed. <laughs> it's so right. He's speaking at the summit on moral leadership in New York. It's December 6th, and he is now discussing his leadership approach with a player he refused to name. What did he say exactly? He is asked to, you know, justify his leadership style or kind of provide an example of his leadership style when times are difficult. And, you know, what he said is, you know, I guess I could just read the quote here. In this last World Cup, we had a player that was clearly not meeting expectations on and off the field. One of 26 players stood out. As a staff, we sat together for hours deliberating what we were going to do with this player. And so then he even goes on to say they almost 
sent him on a plane home and how that would have been a massive controversy. He said you would have been reading about it for five days straight if they had sent the player home. So even though Greg Berhalter thought those comments were off the record, five days later, they end up getting published in a newsletter called Chatterworks in which a partial transcript, including the part about um, Gio Reyna, was published. He doesn't say the name, but it's very clear that Gio Reyna was the person that he was talking about. And then when that happened, you know, the U.S. soccer community became aware, Gio's parents became aware, and both Daniel Reyna and Claudio Reyna were furious about this. And that's really the event that sent the dominoes into motion, leading to where we are today. After the break, the dominoes fall. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Kyle, you just left us on December 11th when the first domino, the publishing of comments that were supposed to be off the record but weren't about an anonymous player who wasn't anonymous get released. And just the accusation that Burhalter had made at that moral leadership summit, what was he really saying there? And how did Gio Reyna himself respond as soon as that went public? Yeah, so I think it's you know, important that Gio Reyna was the one who provided beyond a reasonable doubt confirmation that he was the person that Greg was talking about. In an Instagram post the next day, December 12th, he had said he was hoping that this would remain in-house um, and said that, yeah, he's a very emotional person, was expecting to, to play a big role at the World Cup. But when he arrived in Qatar at some point, Berhalter sat him down and told him that his role would be limited at the tournament. He said... It affected him in training, it affected his behavior, and that he was he ended up having to apologize to his teammates. And to the extent of you know how that played out, I think those details are still not fully understood. You know, when it's all said and done, I think Gio thought that this was an issue that had been put to bed and they would all move on from it. But then like a month passes, Kyle. And it's sort of like, okay, it seems like things have calmed down. This was like one of those locker room coach player sort of kerfuffles that, you know, eventually evaporates. 
But then we're fast forwarding to last week now, January 3rd. I go on the internet along with the rest of the world and we see paragraphs, many paragraphs posted on Twitter by Greg Berhalter. In short here, what is Greg Berhalter now trying to say? Not only was it posted on Twitter by Greg Berhalter, but posted from his unverified new account as the first tweet. So there was this first layer of, wait, is that is this real? Is he really saying that? And U.S. Soccer was able to <laughs> yes. confirm that, you know, shortly after the post went up and people, you know, saw that it was there. And what he says in that post is that during the World Cup, an individual contacted U.S. Soccer saying that they had information about me that would take me down. Berhalter goes on to reveal that in the fall of 1991, he's a freshman at the University of North Carolina. He had just started dating his now wife and that they were involved in a domestic violence incident. This is what he wrote in part. One night in 1991, while out drinking at a local bar, Rosalind and I had a heated argument that continued outside. It became physical and I kicked her in the legs. There are zero excuses for my actions that night. It was a shameful moment and one that I regret. To this day, that type of behavior has never been repeated. We don't know know, how violent that kick was, if she was hurt. Berhalter said that police were never involved. But it's a bad look, right? And it's one that led to the end of their relationship. They separated for about seven months. After that time period was up, it was actually Rosalind who reached back to Greg with her intent to reconcile the relationship. And they did. It's interesting, as part of this statement, Berhalter also said that the weekend prior, they had just celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary. This is a couple that has four kids and, you know, by all accounts, has had a good relationship ever since. There's just so much here, Kyle. And that includes, by the way, this statement from U.S. Soccer that comes out almost immediately after Greg Berhalter's statement gets posted on Twitter, in which they say that they are investigating the 1991 incident in question. And that they learned about the incident in question on December 11th, which is a date apparently that turns out to your mind as a journalist covering the story to be pretty damn significant. Yeah, December 11th was the day that the comments from Greg Berhalter at that that leadership summit were published about Gio Reyna. So it was, you know, too coincidental, right, to, to see those dates lined up next to each other. I got on the phone with my colleague, a longtime U.S. soccer writer, Jeff Carlisle. And Jeff and I started making calls and trying to figure out if the Reynas were, in fact, involved with U.S. soccer finding out about the 1991 incident. Because remember, Danielle Reyna was best friends with Berhalter's wife at the time. So they certainly would have been aware yes. of the incident given their shared history, right? And so... You know, after a few hours of, of making calls, it was actually Jeff who um, made the first confirmation that it did appear that the Reynas were involved in this process. Um, Jeff reached out to Claudio Reyna on Tuesday and then again Wednesday morning, which set into motion them releasing a, a combined statement, Danielle and Claudio Reyna, the next day in which Danielle Reyna takes responsibility for providing the information to U.S. Soccer. The incident was reported to the United States Soccer Federation Sporting Director Ernie Stewart by Danielle Reyna. She's the mother of 20-year-old Gio Reyna, an accomplished young player on the U.S. men's national team who played a limited role in Qatar. 
Danielle turns to Ernie Stewart, the sporting director of U.S. soccer, a long-time close personal friend. And in this conversation, she claims that she expected it to remain confidential. She clues him in on the, the incident between Burhalter and Roslyn back in 1991 and did so because she felt that her son was being criticized for his actions in Qatar by Burhalter, despite the fact that, you know, when he was around the same age, that he had done something much worse. Danielle Reyna stated, I told Ernie that I thought it was especially unfair that Gio, who had apologized for acting immaturely about his playing time, was still being dragged through the mud when Greg had asked for and received forgiveness for doing something so much worse at the same age. One point that is probably important to understand here is that in her statement, Daniel Reyna said that Greg's statement about the 1991 incidents really minimized what happened. So I think as part of U.S. soccer's external investigation, they're really hoping to put together a clear picture of what actually happened. As for Claudio Reyna's part, Kyle, what did he say? Yeah, so as part of his statement, as a joint statement between the two of them, he said he was upset by Greg's comments about Gio as well. And that he admitted to during the World Cup expressing frustrations about how Gio had been used and treated throughout the tournament. And that included to Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride. Brian McBride's another former teammate of both him and, and Burhalter with the national team. Mm. He serves as the general manager for the men's team now. I mean, there are just so many people here who have all known each other for so long. But just to be clear about one specific thing, Claudio Reyna admits to complaining about Gio's playing time. Yes, but he denied ever threatening to make any disparaging information about the Burhalters public. It presents this very strange dynamic where you have the parent of a player complaining to a coach's bosses about his kid's playing time. I mean, this is an unusual story, but we just usually see this at the youth sports level, right? We see this in high school right. basketball, yes, high school baseball. Yes. Not a American soccer legend, a Hall of Famer, a four-time World Cup participant complaining about his childhood friend to his bosses about his son, who just happens to be a once-in-a-generation phenom. <laughs> and for all this to happen at the World Cup, the biggest sporting event that exists in the world. It's just, it's absurd. It feels very much like a, a common U.S. soccer story, but U.S. soccer meaning, you know, how Americans like play it in their towns, right? These things happen all the time. They just don't happen when the spotlight is as bright as it is here. I mean, the idea that all of this happened over playing time, over parents complaining about playing time, the oldest, the oldest tale in the history of American soccer, except elevated now to its most extreme case study, Kyle. I mean, what has U.S. soccer's response been after all of that got established? So the day that the Reynas uh, released their statement admitting to being the source of this information, U.S. Soccer held a press conference to presumably discuss what was happening. They kind of hid behind the fact that there's an ongoing investigation, but did address a little bit of the future of the U.S. head coaching job. And so Greg Berhalter's contract expired on December 31st. Prior to Daniel Reyna going to Ernie Stewart with the information about the 1991 incident, Jeff Carlisle had reported that it was trending in a direction that Greg Berhalter had a very good chance to be retained as the head coach. But when this information was provided to U.S. Soccer, those negotiations stopped and his contract expired, which left the U.S. without a coach. And so they have two games later this month, two friendlies in Southern California. Anthony Hudson, who was an assistant with the team, he'll coach the team there. 
Um, and then over the next few months, U.S. Soccer will conduct two processes, I should say. One is the investigation from the law firm that goes into the 1991 incident. They'll want to have a full understanding of what really happened there. And then the second is a full review by U.S. Soccer of the U.S. men's program to determine what makes sense to move forward headed into the 2026 World Cup cycle, which happens to be the most important one that has ever taken place. The United States is a co-host <laughs> of the 26th World Cup. Yep. They'll have a team that will have a bunch of players either at or just getting into their athletic prime. This is a tournament where the U.S. team will have higher expectations than at any point in its entire existence, right? You have a lot of players who are playing at high levels all across Europe. So it, it, it enters into a really pivotal point in U.S. soccer history, all the while there's this background noise with this drama, really. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised when I saw that Greg Berhalter was speaking at another like leadership summit thing. <laughs> Kyle, this is now late last week. After all of this happened, there he is on this thing with the Harvard Business Review. And this time, what does Greg say about everything that has exploded his life and U.S. soccer. There's, you know, a couple of things that are, that are probably important to point out. One is that he regrets making the comments at the Leadership Summit about Gio Reyna. Like, yeah, no duh. When you reference the, the Howard Institute and you reference that, um, that talk, and, uh, and although you said, you know, it wasn't about a player, it was more about the team and their response, you know, if, if I had to do it all over again, um, I wouldn't have told that story. That's really the moment that set everything into motion. If he hadn't made those comments, we probably wouldn't be talking here today. This wouldn't have come to light. And so certainly there is an element of regret from him for, for allowing him to kind of get ahead of himself and in, in airing the, the in-house laundry. And, and the other part that I think is important to understand too is that Rosalind Berhalter's trauma from three decades ago was brought forward in a very public fashion by her, you know, I would say probably former best friend. Yes. And that's unfortunate, right? That should have never happened. If this were to ever have been publicized, um, it should have come from her. It should have come from Rosalind Berhalter, and it didn't. And one of the first things Greg talked about in that interview was that his, you know, his heart aches for his wife. The worst part of it for me is, you know, my heart aches for my wife, you know, because... It was her story to tell if she chose to or not. And, um, you know, and, and that's what, you know, it just really, really saddens me. But as for Greg Berhalter himself, just to tie the loose ends of U.S. soccer here, where does he stand as coach of this team? What happens to him there? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, right? Because I think what Berhalter is going to have to do is he's going to have to wait for the conclusion of the external investigation into the 1991 incident to really have a confirmation of where he stands with U.S. soccer. I mean, I think the widely held expectation at this point is that he won't be retained, but Ernie Stewart did say last week that it was theoretically still possible for, for Burhalter to be rehired. And so as we step back here and just sort of survey the landscape, the far smaller world that you have painted for us here, a world in which Claudio Reyna and Greg Burhalter, friends from childhood, grew families that were intertwined over decades that ultimately all exploded in this incredibly, objectively ugly, personal, and deeply public feud. What are you left with here at the very end, Kyle? What's your takeaway from a dramatic saga? It's a good question. It's a tough question to answer, too, because 
there's so many legacies involved here. You know, Claudio Reyna was one of the most beloved, you know, is one of the most beloved U.S. soccer players of all time. This will always be attached to him. People are not going to forget that this happened. They're not going to forget about it as it relates to Greg Berhalter, and they're not going to forget about it as it relates to Gio Reyna. So I think this is a story that we're going to hear a lot about for a long time. The fact that it's so bizarre is very U.S. soccer. If it's not one thing, it's the other with this with this federation. The equal pay saga between the women's team and the men's team. Yes. You know, in 2018, the U.S. failing to qualify for the World Cup out of CONCACAF, a region that it has, you know, <laughs> what it feels like infinitely more resources than most of the other countries and is was an inexcusable failure at the time. And as it's made a lot of positive strides over the last couple of decades, propelling forward as a, as a kind of a global player in the sport, now you're left with this story to kind of uh, provide some kind of a reminder that this is not a well-oiled machine. Mm. This is a still very small-time, at times, organization that gets itself into situations that should have been so easily avoidable. So if it's if it's not one off field, you know, incident, it's it's something else. Maybe eventually uh, that won't be the case. <laughs> For now, that's certainly where we're at. Kyle Bonagura, thank you for uh, thank you on behalf of America for answering all of our many questions about the story. Yeah, Pablo, thanks for having me. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>